Good morning, everyone, and it's great to see faces in the building. A very warm welcome to you. And I can't see your smiles, obviously, you've got masks on, but I presume you're smiling back. And um, just really good to see you all, and wonderful to be with you online as well um, in your homes today. I don't know, during this season of lockdown, um, there's some companies maybe you thought I should have invested in beforehand, like Zoom, um, or maybe um, companies that send packaging around, you know, parcels around in the post. And so, so during this season, maybe you've received more kind of parcels in the post, like this sort of box, or maybe sent more parcels in the post. Um, I guess maybe that's what we've been doing. And when we send something that is um, precious to us, when something is fragile, and I've got a glass here. This is a glass that Jean and I, my wife, we, we bought these on our honeymoon when we were in, I think this was in Budapest. It might have been in Prague or Vienna. We did all three. Um, but um, I vaguely remember buying it in a park somewhere, this sort of glass shop, and seeing these glasses. And so we've had these for a number of years now, and, and they're precious, and they're fragile. And if I was going to send this in the post to you or to someone, I would put it in a box, but I would package it up, and I would send it with care. And I want to talk about this this morning, because what we tend to do on a box like this is we might put a label on it, handle with care. Take care of what's inside. It's precious. And the verse I want to talk about this morning from Philippians, we're doing this series, Joy on the Journey, through this letter that the Apostle Paul writes. And I really want to focus in on really one verse. And it's in um, sort of verses that are really well known to many. If you're you're new to the Bible, maybe it's not to you, but um, to maybe others, it's a familiar passage, uh, Philippians chapter 4, and uh, where it, it talks about in Verse 6 and 7 talks about not being anxious for anything and praying about everything. And I totally realize that through this season that uh, many of us may be feeling anxieties and fears and worries and so on. I'd encourage you maybe to, to meditate, spend some time in the, the verse 6 and 7 of this passage, and we've preached on it before in other places. But I really felt to focus in on verse 5. So I'm just going to read verse 4. Well, I'll read verse 4 and 5. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. And here's what I want to focus. Let your gentle spirit be known to everyone. And I've got the verse here. There we go. Handle with care. Let your gentle spirit be known to all. I wonder what you think of when you think of the word gentle. Again, maybe the way I handle a precious glass or something and we package it up. I think there's a caricature of gentleness that is out there, that somehow to be gentle is kind of feeble and soft and timid and maybe never really speaks truth or or confronts. It's a little bit like a a watered-down drink or a cup of coffee, not at kind of its full strength. There's just so much water in it that it's insipid almost. There's no taste, there's no flavor, there's no oomph, as it were. And, and, And gentleness can be caricatured like that sometimes. But actually what gentleness means, it means to be kind, to be gracious. Sometimes in this verse in Philippians 4, it's translated, let your reasonableness be known to all. Your reasonableness. It's to be tolerant. It's to be tender towards others, particularly their flaws and failures and their their faults and so on, their weaknesses. It means to handle with care. And so why does Paul say it in the context of this letter here? Why is he saying, be gentle, rejoice always, I'll say it again, rejoice, and be gentle to all? 
Why does he say it in this passage? Well, I wonder if it's to do with the context. If you go back to to verse 2, he's just said to two ladies in the church, Judea and Syntyche, if that's how you pronounce their names, he says, I urge them to live in harmony in the Lord or to agree with one another. There's clearly been maybe a fallout in relationship. And the Apostle Paul knew this himself with his friend Barnabas. We've got that in Acts where he fell out with him. He had a sharp disagreement with Barnabas and they separated their ways. It's as though gentleness wasn't really there maybe in that conversation. Maybe gentleness isn't there in this situation between these two ladies. And Paul says, be gentle. And in fact, in verse 3, he says, I ask you to help, um, also to help these women. And so maybe he's saying to them, look, make sure as you help these ladies agree, do it with gentleness. Handle these dear women who I care about with care. Handle them with care. And later on in Paul's letters, Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 2, he says, um, Therefore I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the gospel which you've been called with all gentleness. Walk with all gentleness. And then when Paul writes to Titus, Titus chapter 3, he's writing to Titus who's um, helping strengthen some churches and get some leaders in place in a church. And Paul writes to Titus, and one of the things he says to him, he says, hey, remind them, remind those churches, remind those people to be gentle. This is an important uh, characteristic, an important value to, to, to walk in, to be like. Um, I, I certainly need, when I was reading this, I need to be reminded to be gentle. I'm very aware of my, my own shortcomings in being a gentle person. I'm aware of my own failures, maybe like Paul was, and maybe like these ladies were. And maybe you can relate to that. We're aware that we fall short of this sometimes. So what does gentleness look like? That's my first question. My second question is going to be, where is it most clearly seen in our lives? And then a third question I'm going to ask is how do we grow in it? And so the first question, where do we go to find out what gentleness looks like? Well, maybe it's no surprise, but we're going to go and look at Jesus. (laughs) Because it's in him we see gentleness wonderfully displayed. I don't know how you'd describe Jesus. If you were to ask to someone stopped you in the street and said, tell me, what do you think the heart of God is like? What do you think Jesus' heart is like? What words would you use to describe Jesus' heart? I wonder what words you'd use. What words would you say? Well, thankfully, we don't need to guess because Jesus tells us himself in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, in this, um, this passage where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Take your yoke on me and you'll find rest for your souls. And the reason he says we can come to him is because of what his heart is like towards us. He says, because I am gentle and humble in heart. This is what Jesus is like in his heart. For those who take Jesus up on his invitation to come to him, who, can, who come to him admitting our need of him, our need of grace, our need of forgiveness, our, our weariness even in life, trying to sort it all ourselves, those that come to him like that, Jesus says, I am gentle and I am humble and heart towards you. Dane Ortland, and you have you come across this book yet, but I know a few people have read it, called Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners 
and Sufferers. It's an excellent read. Dane Orton's an excellent tour guide, if you like, of, if you want to understand more of what the heart of God is, the heart of Christ is towards us. He's an excellent tour guide, and I'd recommend that book highly. And he says in there, he says, Jesus isn't trigger happy. He's not harsh, reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. I don't know how easily wound up you are. How easily do we react to things, things people say or do, and we react in a way maybe that isn't gentle. I mean, the opposite to gentleness are things like intolerance, unreasonableness, harshness, impatience. But that's not like Jesus. He goes on to say, the posture most natural to Jesus is not a pointed finger, but open arms. The most natural posture to Jesus is not a pointed finger, but open arms. That's got to be good news for us, isn't it? That's what Jesus is like. Is that God to you? Is that how you see God? It's when you come to God with your failings and your flaws and your weaknesses and your struggles, that he's not there with a pointing finger and a condemning frown, but he's there with open arms, saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. See, the Bible, I think, goes out of its way to demonstrate Jesus' gentleness. And in fact, the Messiah in the Old Testament that points towards Jesus, the Christ, that's what Messiah means, the anointed one, the one who would come and do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, who would bring us to God. In the Old Testament, Isaiah 42, verse 3, it talks about this Messiah saying that a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, a bruised reed he won't break. These are things that are not effective. They maybe feel useless. They're not up to what they ought to be, a smoldering wick, well, it's not lighting a room like a candle ought to, a broken reed, well, you can't play the flute with that or whatever you might do with this reed. And Jesus says, the Messiah won't do that, he won't break that, he won't snuff it out, and that's not what he's like. And in fact, Matthew chapter 12, that verse is applied to Jesus. Maybe we feel bruised, maybe we feel like we're barely burning, but Jesus wonderfully handles us with care. Someone put it this way, they said, gentleness is a strong hand with a tender touch. Gentleness is a strong hand. It's born of strength, but with a tender touch. I could break this glass if I wanted to. Um, Don't worry, Gene, I won't break it. These are precious to us. But I could do. I could break this glass. But I'm not going to. I'm going to treat it with care. And that's what God does with us. God is strong. God is mighty. Isaiah chapter 40 talks about this. It talks about, it says, God will come with might. It says the nations are a drop in a bucket compared with who God is. It talks about in Isaiah 40 of his strength and his power. But right in the middle of it, in verse 11, it says this. He tends his flock like a lamb and gently leads those that have young. He gently leads us. That's what God is like. He's tender to us. Come to me. And that's the first place we go to when we we start with, before we look at becoming gentle ourselves, we look at Jesus and understand this wonderful kindness and graciousness and tolerance and tenderness of God towards us, first and foremost. And before we launch into kind of where's it seen most clearly in our lives and how we grow in it, um, we're going to take a, well, not a break, but we're going to sing a song. I'm going to ask Tim and the band, they're going to lead us in singing now, and then I'll come back in just a moment. So let's focus on this wonderful shepherd who's wonderfully tender to us. Tim, over to you. I'm 
sometimes I know with my words I'm more ready, fire, aim. And it's not necessarily the most helpful way at all. Uh, I was thinking about um, sometimes you might be right in something or speaking the truth, but actually it's not coming with gentleness. And I was thinking of Sherlock Holmes in the BBC drama with Benedict Cumberbatch and um, his character there. He's very often right and speaks truth, but he is, he's condemning sometimes, he's harsh, he's brash, he's arrogant with his words, he's careless with his words. He doesn't handle people with care at all. And that's not what Jesus is like. Jesus is careful, full of care with his words. He is gentle. And that doesn't mean that he's bland, there's no passion. It doesn't mean that he's like that a watered-down drink kind of insipid at all. He's not, he's not a pushover. Um, I can't better the words than Mike Reeves in the superb book, Christ Our Lives, when he talks about Jesus and these, these contrasts. Jesus is, is um, a man, a human, with contrast turned kind of right up in full color. That's what contrast does. And Mike Reeves writes this, he says, Jesus is generous and genial, firm and resolute. He was always surprising, loving but not soppy. His insight unsettled people and his kindness won them. Indeed, he was a man of extraordinary and extraordinarily appealing contrasts. You simply couldn't make him up, for you'd have to make him either one or the other. He was red-blooded and human but not rough, pure but never, never dull, Serious with sunbeams of wit, sharper than cut glass, he out-argued all comers, but never for the sake of the win. He knew no failings in himself, yet was transparently humble. He made the grandest claims for himself, yet without a whiff of pomposity. He ransacked the temple, spoke of hellfire, called Herod a fox, the Pharisees pimped up corpses, and yet never do you doubt his love as you read his life. That's what Jesus is like. See, gentleness doesn't mean we never confront, we never challenge. Jesus wonderfully is gentle in the way that he confronts our sin and the way that he responds to our failures. Have you failed this week? My hand goes straight up. I know I've failed, but Jesus is wonderfully, wonderful in the way he confronts us and responds to us. Um, the story of the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4, John's Gospel. This woman who comes out to get water at midday and, and she's obviously... Um, ashamed of things in her life, the way that she's lived her life. And so she goes to a well that I think is a bit further away. It's not the nearest place. She goes at midday to avoid those that would go at the time when the sun was down. And there she meets Jesus, a, a, a woman full of shame and, and trying to stay away from people. She meets Jesus. And the way that Jesus handles that conversation is a, is a wonderful example of gentleness. You see, Jesus does confront her sin. He does point it out to her. He is clear with her, but he handles her with such care. One writer said that Jesus convicts deeply but delicately. And that again, Jesus convicts deeply but delicately. That's what he's like. He handles her with care. He handles us with care in our failures. And Peter, the apostle, the one that said that I'll follow Jesus to your death and I'm never going to desert you and run out on you, even though these other disciples, though they might do that. And then Peter denies Jesus three times and he fails. And then Jesus wonderfully comes to him and restores him, not with a pointing finger, but with open arms. 
And bear in mind, this is Jesus after the resurrection. Jesus was crucified in weakness, but he was raised in power. Remember, gentleness is a strong hand with a tender touch. And, and Peter's failure, Peter knows he's failed. And Jesus wonderfully, gently restores him back and gets him back on track on his life. That is how Jesus deals with us. Come to me. He's dealt with the worst we've done on the cross. Come to him. There's forgiveness. There's grace. There's mercy. We've been singing about it. We can know it in our lives and experience too. He's gentle. And if we're a Christian, then actually we're growing to be more like Jesus in our ways. And in Galatians 6.1, it says, if anyone is caught in any trespass, in any sin and failure, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Ah, there's a Chinese proverb that says this, don't remove a fly from your friend's forehead with an axe. Don't do that. That's wisdom, right there. Restore someone in a spirit of gentleness, with kindness, tolerance, tenderness, graciousness, with our speech. I think a gentle person, if we're going to grow in this, we need to think about um, the, the, the content of our speech, the tone of our speech, and also the timing of when we speak as well. The content is kind of, what are we going to say? What needs to be said in this conversation? And give some thought to that. The scripture says, be slow to speak, quick to listen. And to be slow to speak, sometimes to be thoughtful about the words that we're actually going to speak. Think about the tone. How are we going to say it? The tone matters massively. And then the timing. When do I say this? When is the most loving time to say this to this person? I realize that so often some of the things I say are for more for my benefit than the person listening in terms of the timing, in terms of the content, in terms of the tone. And actually, I want to grow in this. And we need to think about that in, in the way that we speak to others in conversation, on Zoom or whichever way, a phone call in whatever way we're now, but also on social media and in emails and things like that as well, written communication. Work hard to communicate tone in these things because it matters and the timing of them as well. So content, tone, and timing. Think about those things. In 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7, Paul says that when he was among one of the churches there, he says, we were gentle among you. I love that. Like a mother, Mother's Day, a mother caring for little children. He was gentle. This thinking that gentleness looks like a mother's touch to a young child. This wonderful tenderness from, from strength, that's what we see. And it made me think, well, how do my words touch other people's lives? What imprint do they leave on their hearts? How do your words touch people? We need to be growing in these things, to be more like Jesus, gentle with our words, gentle in the way we deal with other people's flaws and failures and weakness. Don't we need people to be gentle with us personally? Don't we love it when someone is, when we experience that kind of gentleness and tenderness and tolerance? And let's treat other people how we want to be treated. And Jesus was even gentle in the way he handled his opposition. Again, it doesn't mean he didn't speak truth. But Jesus often, people came to him to try and catch him out, maybe speak harsh words to him and things like that. 
And yet he didn't respond with defensiveness or intolerance or unreasonableness. He responds with such grace and such wisdom and clarity. James, in his um, letter, he says the wisdom from God is, is gentle. That's what wisdom looks like. It comes across as gentleness, reasonableness. And that's what Jesus was like. And we're told that in 1 Peter 3.15, when someone asks us a question about our faith or challenges us, maybe criticizes um, ask us a difficult question, um, to not respond with defensiveness, but to respond with gentleness, but do this with gentleness, 1 Peter 3.15. So Jesus is gentle in the way he confronts sin and responds to our failures, and in the way he faced opposition as well. And we're to be like Jesus if we're a Christ follower. So how do we grow in this deal? How do we grow in it? Colossians 3.12 says, put on a heart of gentleness. Well, how do you put on a heart of gentleness? What does that look like? Well, just three things. One, live in the good of the gentleness of God to you personally. Immerse yourself in it. Immerse yourself in who Jesus is and what he has done. Read those scriptures that I've read out today. Read them again. Pray them through. Think them through. Meditate on them. Um, Understand the joy that comes from the gospel. One writer said that gentleness is an outworking of joy. But if we know the joy of what Jesus has done for us, actually we end up being more gentle people. And get some good tour guides. Like I mentioned, that book, Gentle and Lowly, or Christ Our Life, these are good tour guides that will help us. So live in the good of the gentleness of God towards us. Ask for God's help. I realize that might sound extremely obvious. But pretty much every day, one of my prayers is just, God help. God help me. And when I've been thinking about gentleness, I'm asking, God, help me. Help me to think about my content. Help me to think about my tone. Help me to think about my timing. Help me to be more loving with my speech. Pray about it. Ask God. To, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Ask for him to enable you to be more gentle, that wonderful fruit of the Holy Spirit. The third thing can be ask people who are close to you. Ask people who know you, who love you, who are for you. What am I like? How do my words come across? Are they gentle? Are they full of tolerance and reasonableness? Am I harsh? What's my timing like? What's my t- Ask people. I found that hugely beneficial because I know I've got blind spots. Ask those around you and then put it into practice as well. We have to practice it. And boy, do we get opportunities every moment of the day to practice this kind of gentleness with people. Again, in, it might be on social media, it might be in an email, it might be in a conversation, a phone call, it might be a difficult conversation. How much more to spend time before we go into those, praying, asking for God's help in the way that we speak, and in doing so, point people towards the one who is wonderfully gentle and humble in heart. I hope that's been helpful, and I'm just going to pray for us now, and Mark is going to come and lead us into communion in a minute, a great way to land and focus in on who Jesus is and what he's done, on the one who is gentle and humble. So let's just pray for a minute. Lord, I thank you for what you're like. Again, I thank you when we come to you, we don't find a pointing, condemning finger. We find open arms, one that says, come to me, find rest for your souls. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And Lord, I thank you that as we come and experience the wonderful kindness, gentleness, tolerance, patience of God, that it changes us from the inside out and helps us to grow in that ourselves.
And I just pray for each one of us, you would keep working this wonderful fruit into us individually, as a church family, and it spill over into the lives of every person that we have contact with. In your precious, wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Great to be with you, and Marcus, lead us into communion, mate.